For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Right now, join T-Mobile and get an unlimited family plan with Netflix included so you can watch in more places than ever before on your phone, tablet, or TV. Plus, buy one Samsung Galaxy S9 and get one free with 24 monthly bill credits so you and your family can binge your Netflix favorites on your new phones. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. Unlimited data on their network. Video streams at 480p. Small fraction of customers using over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speeds. If you cancel balances due, well-qualified customers, full price, 720 plus tax. Finance agreements required. Netflix for two screens. Terms apply. What's better than this? Guys being dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast. I'm Joe Marino and... Oh, shit. Oh, dear. What's better than this? Guys being dudes here on the Draft News Podcast. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs of the Draft Network, and we are your hosts on this Thursday edition of the Draft News Podcast, just 19 days away from the launch of the draftnetwork.com and man I cannot wait all you have to do is go to sleep at night 19 more times when you wake up on August 6th it's going to be right there for you and I cannot wait Kyle welcome to the show are we there yet <laughs> this is brutal wait man I'm watching some of our friends putting out really nice written content right now kind of in this dead period and um I'm writing all this stuff and I can't share it and it's hard. It's hard because I have takes. I have takes to give, and that's why I'm so glad we have this outlet with the Draft Dudes podcast so I can at least let some of my opinions fly, uh, even though the formalities of, of written works and publishing them uh, is not at our disposal until the Draft Network goes live as, when you said, August 6th. Yeah, it it's, it's not normal to write something and it take 20 30 days to publish, right? Because, you know, we're used to kind of turning stuff in the day before. Editors get their hands on it, and voila, it's it's on the timeline. But not right now. It, it is a struggle. Um, 
Kyle, we are in the thick of conference media days. And uh, I, I want to throw a quote at you here from the Big 12. Okay. The Big 12 uh, media day. Yeah. Uh, one, of your, one of your favorites, Dana Holgerson. Oh, my father. West, your father, Papa Dana. Papa Dana. Papa Dana. Uh, this is what he said. Head coach, West Virginia Mountaineers. He says, quote, at West Virginia, we play 11 Power 5 schools, NC State and Tennessee, along with the other nine Big 12 opponents. I wish everybody would do that. It's not quite fair that we have to play that schedule, and then you have schools and other respective conferences that play nine. Kyle React. Ooh, Papa, bring in the heat and show me the lie. It, that's absolutely <laughs> true. You know, West Virginia, if they live up to expectations and have a very strong year and contend for the Big 12 title, they should be applauded for scheduling teams like NC State and Tennessee instead of Sister Mary's School for the Blind in Week 1 to get you all geared up to play your first conference game against, like, Vanderbilt and you crush them 70 to nothing. So I, I think Dana has a legitimate gripe here where nobody's getting all fired up to watch you beat down some cupcake as a tune-up affair. You know, that's, that's why you've got camp, right? So if you want to put yourself into a conversation, and you see this by and large with the, the committee for the college football playoff. And you know, before that it was factored in with the BCS. And like, if you're going to play a soft schedule, you're going to get it treated like a soft team. Teams that like Alabama, for example, with them scheduling Florida state, obviously Florida state, uh, their season last year did not turn into the season that, you know, is held as the standard and expectation at Florida state, but Alabama should be applauded for scheduling a, a very difficult out of conference game to open their season against Florida State. And um, I believe West Virginia, Dane has put his money where his mouth is because he scheduled West Virginia as a tough out-of-season. They scheduled West Virginia as a tough out-of-conference opponent to open their season last year. They played games against Alabama to open their season. West Virginia did. So, no, Dana's got a point here, and... I'm super proud of Dana for taking the initiative to point it out and calling people out and say, look, don't play soft. Don't play, don't schedule scared. No, if you're as good as you think you are, then, then schedule some legit competition and suit them up. Uh, you know what team I respect their scheduling? Clemson. They, uh, yeah. they play South Carolina every year, which is a good SEC team usually, at least middle of the pack. They're probably going to be – I think they have a chance to make some noise in the East. Now, they're not going to beat out Georgia, but uh, they have a very favorable schedule. But Clemson plays uh, – they've been doing this series with, like, uh, they did Auburn. They're doing Texas A&M this year uh, in addition to their ACC schedule. Now, the, if you do look over Clemson's schedule, you're going to find the likes of Furman and Georgia Southern, but uh, a, a fairly – challenging ACC schedule with Texas A&M and, uh, and South Carolina as your non-conference is, you know, look, that's, that's not bad. No, that's not bad. Um, yeah, conf conference media days are, I think they're fun. I know some people don't like them, you know, because it's a lot of times you get a lot of lip service. But, like, I know Larry Fedora at UNC, uh, they, they had their media availabilities yesterday. And uh, he 
was not your stereotypical lip service, and Dana didn't give lip service. So I think it's a, a good opportunity to get some some fun quotes out of folks, Joe. Absolutely, Kyle. It's uh, time to continue. No, 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 no. We got to talk about this. We got to talk about this soda and pop thing real quick. Oh, do we? Yeah. So, first of all, you and I do not see eye to eye on this issue, Joe. But I'm fine with that with you. There is somebody in the Marino household that I would like to take a moment and address right now, and it's your big brother Frank. For those who aren't familiar, Joe is one of three brothers. His big brother, Frank, is one of those most laid-back and chill individuals you know, I have ever come across. But Frank is built like a brick wall. And uh, I'm starting to get the feeling with my indirect jabs at your preference of calling it pop that uh, Frank's becoming a little disenfranchised with some of the fun that I'm having with this conversation. So I just want to address Frank directly and briefly on today's show. Frankie, I love you. Please do not beat the shit out of me next time you see me. Thank you. And Joe, my message to you is you call it pop, I call it soda, but we are both unified in the same front against people who call every soda Coke. Terrible. Did you know this was a thing? Yeah, it, I do because I live in Charlotte, North Carolina, where people call it Coke here. That's they, it's 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 either soda or Coke. I never hear pop here, and uh, they'll they'll say Coke if they want a Mountain Dew, a Sprite, Dr Pepper. It's, it's that's Coke. so stupid. What? It's bad. That's bad. There's no logic there. Are you going to go into a McDonald's or a Wendy's and order a Big Mac? Are you going to go to a Chevy dealer and ask for a Mustang? I mean, you're, you're taking a, a singular brand from a single company and applying it to an entire genre of a product. And, and, and in North Carolina, I think Pepsi was founded here. Like, yes, it's, it's from the Carolinas, yes. What does that even make sense, right? <laughs> Jeez. So man. that blew my mind, and, and I had a bunch of disenfranchised people when I put the poll out on Twitter. They're like, you forgot the Coke option. I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm just a normal human being. <laughs> trigger you've triggered them. yeah yeah <laughs> call it soda to trigger the libs right that's they that's what the kids are saying these days uh so yeah i just i, I wanted to acknowledge a frankie and, and tell him that i loved him so he's he's not getting too angry with me for calling it soda and i wanted to acknowledge you for at least calling an entire product subdivision not one brand name's name uh which is the most baffling thing I've come across this summer. Can we do the up-and-comers now? Would you feel better if we did? Uh, I'm just I'm, – I'm thankful that we're getting to the AFC North quick yeah, yeah. in this series <laughs> <laughs> after just a complete blunder to forget them in the uh, My Ultimate series. So we figured we'd get them early on the docket this time. Uh, to let the people know again, the concept here is that uh, we are going to go through the AFC North and just kind of have an organic discussion about some of the young players that are set to carve out prominent roles on the teams uh, in the AFC North. So uh, we're going to bring some names to the table and talk about you know their roles on the respective teams as early as 2018. Yeah. So Joe, you're you're obviously going to talk about Cordy Glenn first, right? Well, he's not. He doesn't fit that <laughs> criteria. <laughs> Oh, you're are Tyler you, Boyd, man. Are you sure? What is with the disrespect to Cordy Glenn? <laughs> That's the thing. It's, it's like if any opportunity you're going to have to talk about a former Buffalo Bill, you're going to take. 
Do you think so? I do. Am think I that so. guy? I don't think I'm that guy. <laughs> now, were, if I have a chance you were to with Corey Glenn. Right. Well, because it was a good pick. Tell, tell, show me the like, Kyle. Who you? We're picking the best offensive tackles in the division for 2018, and Cordy Glenn is absolutely one of the best. Let's talk about Carl Lawson, shall okay. we? Let's talk about first Carl, round Lawson. Carl Lawson. Yeah, not quite first-round grade, but extremely good football player, right? And Carl showed great flashes as a rookie. He was productive as a rookie, and I believe the Bengals rewarded him by playing him on, him on less than 50% of the defensive snaps last year. And he was probably their best pass rusher. So I think if, if you look at Carl, and, and they seem resided to kind of getting him in almost like a Peter Bolwer type role, right? Where they're going to they're gonna get in some reps at linebacker, but he is going to rush the passer. And uh, I, I think that it's an interesting way to approach it, but it's also a way to approach it that's going to allow you to uh, get him on the field more while also restricting uh, the impact some of his limitations as a player may have with the lack of length that he illustrates and um, just the general size issues that he will have playing at the line of scrimmage, knowing that this Bengals defense really likes their defensive ends to have a lot of size. So Willis kind of, or I'm sorry, Carl Wilson kind of goes against that mold. But this is, is a way to get him on the field more, which I think is the most important thing for him because he's probably going to lead their team in sacks in 2018, Joe. Well, I think he deserves to play more on rundowns because if you go back to his Auburn tape, I really didn't have any concerns about him as an edge setter. So I know they got Michael Johnson and, and Carl's Dunlap there, but, man, he, he certainly does, demands some more playing time here in the sophomore season. Good to see him healthy. Uh, Kyle, I want to talk about these Baltimore Ravens tight ends. They took a pair of them, Hayden Hurst in the first round, Mark Andrews, I believe, in the third round to mm-hmm. go with the, with the pick of Lamar Jackson. And, you know, the immediate thing that I took away from getting those tight ends is, number one, we've seen the best Joe Flacco when he had Dennis Pitta, right? So you, he's really not really had a guy like that. Now, they've they've had some bodies in there, but it hasn't, hasn't really turned out to be a Dennis Pitta-like player. And uh, so for number one, I think you you help create the best version of Joe Flacco by giving him some potent weapons at tight end to go with an improved receiving core with John Brown and Michael Crabtree now in the fray. But when I get really excited about those two tight ends is when Lamar Jackson inevitably takes over as starting quarterback for the Baltimore Ravens. You know with a player like Lamar Jackson and his mobility that it's going to be a ton of zone coverage. They need eyes in the backfield. And now you've got two tight ends that know how to find space and zone, know how to bust zones, and it's just going to be a really nice opportunity for, for Lamar to immediately in his NFL career have those safety valves, have those, those options where those guys can just show their numbers and find space and zones and give him a reliable target to go with some guys that can create separation now on the outside. So I think this, uh, this two tight end uh, draft pick, thing here for Ozzie Newsom in his final draft with the Ravens was really good for the Joe Flacco perspective, really, really good for the Lamar Jackson perspective, and uh, it kind of gets this this uh, this Ravens offense a much-needed identity here. But I really like those two players and really like how they fit. Yeah, you know Lamar has to be excited about throwing a ball to a tight end that's not going to drop it when it hits him in the mm-hmm. face mask like he's had to deal with it, that the Louisville, some ugly drops there with the Cardinals. Uh, but this Ravens team in general, I look at the, the defensive front seven with this group, and you've got a lot of young talent, a lot of really exciting guys 
that have come through the draft in the last couple of years. A guy like Chris Wormley, who was a guy I was super high on when he came out. Carl Davis, another guy that I was super high on when he came out. Uh, they've got some versatility in the linebacker group, too, with um, – They've got, they got raw edge guys and Tim Williams and Zadarius Smith and my favorite ones, Matt Judon, who I want to touch on in just a second. But then they've also got some, some kind of hybrid linebackers like Tyus Bowser, who was a second-round pick last year, and Kamali Correa, who was a second-round pick the year before that. And uh, they, they got a lot of depth. So I want to see which one of those guys kind of pulls up to the top. Uh, the, the starting four on the linebacker group for this Ravens team is Suggs, Mosley, on, I'm going to sound so ignorant here. Do you know how to say Patrick's last name? Anwu uh, Soor? Yeah. Sounds good. Anwu Soor and Albert McClellan. Uh, Matt Judon is my favorite out of this group, and Matt Judon, uh, Joe, was one of the leading tackles for lost tallies in the entire NFL last year. Did you know that? No, I believe he, I believe he was credited with 15 and a half tackles for loss last year as a backup edge defender for the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, Judon had all the tools coming out of Grand Valley State to be just a superb NFL player. He was a long-term project, but he had length, he had bend, he had explosiveness, and he's starting to put all this stuff together. And, and now he's playing ace run defense, and you figure that if he's able to put the pass rush component into this as well. Uh, the Ravens may already have the air for Terrell Suggs on the roster and Matt Judon. That's how highly I think of him. I believe I had him rated 51st on my draft board in 2016, and he's played extremely well. So I want to see, is Judon going to rise to those expectations in his third year in the league? Is he going to continue to grow and flourish as a player and become more versatile? And then what about these hybrid guys like Kamali Correa and Tyus Bowser, who going to be playing some inside, but, you know, they, they have college tape playing outside and rushing the passer, and that gives Baltimore, like, a really dangerous and potent blend of talents at the linebacker group. So uh, that that is kind of going to be their trump card, I think, on defense because they're always going to be stout up front, but they got versatility and depth in the linebackers, which is huge. Terrell Suggs, year 15 of his NFL career, 11 sacks. Unbelievable, crazy. man. Yeah, and what is and he? He, you know, if if uh, the NFL draft community on Twitter what is what it was when Suggs came out and they saw this dude run basically like a five flat forty yard dash with you know very minimal reps of two twenty five, he would have got ripped and uh, people would have missed out on a Hall of Famer. Uh, Kyle, I want to keep it on the defensive side of the ball and a, a defensive player that really excites me for year two of his career is Larry Ogunjobi with the uh, with the Cleveland Browns slated to start for them uh, probably at three technique and man he's a player that we got a chance to spend some time with at the Senior Bowl really enjoyed him and, and to steal one of your phrases and he slapped together really well right like his build his body composition he's just thick everywhere he's he you can just tell he's got a great frame on him and something that. You know, he's put in the time to develop himself physically. And, you know, even watching him uh, at Charlotte against those Conference USA offensive linemen, you could tell that he was really active with his hands and really excelled as a penetration-style player. You saw it at the Senior Bowl, and you saw it in flashes last year in his first season in the NFL. And uh, I think when you think about, the, you know, his character and work ethic combined with his athletic upside and physical upside and, and him getting this opportunity to start for this Cleveland defense that was pretty good last year, and it's going to be better. You've got some improved pieces. You've got some young guys that are now uh, a little bit more experienced under their belt. And, uh, 
you know, an improved secondary. And, and man, I think that Agunjobi can, has a real chance to be a quiet superstar on this defense starting in 2018. Yeah, you can sign me up for quiet superstars in this division in Agunjobi, and you can give me another one in Pittsburgh's Javon Hargrave. Uh, Hargrave, who who we talked about uh, when we did the AFC North, uh, my ultimate team. Hargrave is just he, – he is a terror in the middle. He is so much fun to watch play football. He plays nose. He's not your prototypical nose, but he's strong as all hell. He's got a super thick lower body, and uh, he can stack up blockers one-on-one with the best of them. But he pairs that with a motor that allows him to play laterally, and uh, it's a pretty unique blend of skills. And uh, Hargrave is – an interesting player because he's slotted between Cameron Hayward and Stephon Tuitt. So he's going to continue to get a lot of opportunities to have one-on-ones as a pass rusher inside. Uh, this Pittsburgh defense will need TJ Watt to look full-time like the player that he showed he could be as a rookie. They need that breakout out of Bud Dupree that they've seemingly been waiting on for forever now. Uh, if they get those two things... Pittsburgh's going to be a nightmare, and I think it's it's the best chance that they have to cover for what's kind of a shaky secondary. If you look at their starting secondary, you know, Joe Hayden, long in the tooth. Artie Burns has been hit or miss. He, when he's been good, he's been very good, but he's been a little up and down. Uh, they just drafted Terrell Edmonds in the first round, uh, obviously hoping for him to, to get some rotational reps, and where that is remains to be seen, you know. Uh, they they may be hoping that's their their kind of tight end trump card, uh, but um, Sean Davis was a player that I really like coming out of Maryland, and he was really good as a rookie, and then really bad in 2017 because they tried to use him as their tight end trump card and play some man to man coverage, and it's just it's, it wasn't where he was strong. So uh, this Pittsburgh secondary is going to need the front seven to have a lot of productive pass rush, and uh, Bud Dupree's one. And Javon Hargraves is the other, where if you get one of those guys really running hot and prevent double teams on Stephon Tuitt and, and Cameron Hayward and pass protection, then uh, Pittsburgh should be in line for another very, very good season this year. Do you remember uh, Javon Hargrave, late addition to the yeah. Super Bowl when he showed up? Yeah. Uh, we're like, okay, who's this dude with that bubble butt? And then nobody can block him. You're like, you don't expect much out of the guys that kind of show up late to the party or injury replacements. But, man, he made a name for himself, and he's got a power generator like uh, like I haven't seen on many guys. Uh, Kyle, I want to talk about a Bengals offensive player and one that uh, I know you love, dear. Joe Mixon, Joe John Mixon, Mixon, Oh! John, <laughs> John Ross, top ten wide receiver. John Ross couldn't have had a worse rookie year. Uh, seemed like he was in Marvin's doghouse. And, uh, uh, look, I mean, look, he's a top 10 picket wide receivers. There's expectations here. I know that he's the fastest dude in the NFL, I guess, but, uh, how does that show up on the field? And, and, you know, what are the expectations here? I mean, to me, you're look, you're top 10 wide receiver. You need to be basically a number one guy, a guy that's part of the focal point of your offense. And, you know, I don't. It's it's going to be hard to measure that with Ross because I'm not sure the volume's going to be there for him to ever be like an ultra productive guy. But you know, will his value come in other ways by drawing coverage away from AJ Green and uh, uh, you know Brandon LaFell, Tyler Eifert? Uh, we'll see if Josh Malone carves out a role. Tyler Boyd. You know, is his value going to be creating opportunities for other people, or you know, is he a guy that 
is going to demand attention because he is a legitimate you know, a guy that can make plays down the field. And, you know, he's, his skill set's always been a bit incomplete, right? That's never been a question. He's always had the injury concerns, you know, but how is he going to prov- provide that return on investment for Cincinnati? Year one was bad, right? Year two, we'll find out. But, you know, they, they need that speed, and I'm really curious to see what that looks like. Uh, you know, I guess there's nowhere to go but up, but, you know, how is he going to provide that return on that top ten draft pick? Uh, two targets. Zero catches, one Fumble. one carry from scrimmage, which he promptly fumbled. Uh, that that's the stat line for John Ross. So, Joe, I'm going to ask you this: What is a stat line from John Ross that makes you feel optimistic going into his third season? I think he's got to push 20 yards per catch, and I think he's got to push for 50 receptions. And you have to th- you need to be able to pop on all 22 and see that he commands that coverage. I mean, come on, it's the NFL, right? You got you got to stand up and deliver. You, you know, this isn't just some fast guy that they took on day three. You know, this isn't Cor- uh, Colby Listenby. This is a top ten pick, and they need to get dividends on that. And I, I don't, I don't see it. I don't see John Ross challenging for a thousand yards. What do you? Th- I mean, I'd like to hear your answer to that question. What? What? I mean, just get. get I know that you have your your thoughts on him, but just yeah, I'm biting my tongue real hard right now because. Well, I mean, look, what does John Ross need to do in 2018 to start turning the, the corner? What's a realistic expectation? What's what a, should the expectation be? What should the expectation be? The yeah, ex- I want to know what should the expectation be for John Ross? I, I, don't, I think John Ross is getting between 30 and 40 catches, 15 yards a catch. Because I, I, I think as good as he is in straight line situations – Andy Dalton's not great throwing the ball deep. He's got a great ball skills receiver in A.J. Green that can make some adjustments. So I think some of Ross's touches are probably going to be of the shorter variety, where they look to get him the ball quick and turn it into a mini punt return because he was a special teams ace at Washington as well. So I think that's going to water down some of his yards per catch. But uh, you know, I'm sitting here going through the other – wide receiver groups, the, the wide receivers in this division, and John Ross is down there. There are a lot of other receivers just in this division that I would rather have than John Ross, and I was not a fan of John Ross coming out. Um, I would say, oh, here we go. Heat it up. You got to take coming in. I think James Washington surpasses John Ross in every statistical category in 2018. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I don't. He, that's interesting. I disagree with you. Um, I'd want. I'd want to remember that and look at that in you know December. Or, well, yeah, five months. Yeah. I mean, let's do that. Let's go ahead. Go, go ahead and hashtag vault me. Go ahead. But I would say I I would expect James Washington to a better uh, a better statistical season across the board in every notable category than than John Ross in 2018. Third round pick versus a top ten pick in year one versus year two. I mean, it's that shouldn't be a true statement, but here we are. Right, and, and it's it's just it it's rough. It's I I just he was so far behind. I didn't, listen to be fair to John. Like John apparently had an injury that he was kind of keeping his mouth shut about. But in what universe do you take a wide receiver in the top ten and give legitimate consideration into playing him as an emergency cornerback? In his rookie season, 
Like that that's a real life thing that happened. They were like, Oh, well if we have one more guy that goes down, John, we're gonna play on we're gonna play at corner. What? <laughs> that just doesn't happen. Sign a guy off the street, you know? Like <laughs> Um So as I wrap this up, I do want to talk about Joe Mixon. Joe. This is this will be my last one and then I'll I'll see if you have any parting thoughts here. But uh Mixon's prime for a big year. Uh, Mixon from, from scrimmage had a productive year last year. And I think the additions to the Bengals offensive line, most notably <clears throat> Cordy Glenn and Billy Price are going to be big additions to kind of help this team get some forward push on the line of scrimmage. And, um, I'm very much pulling for Jake Fisher, who was a guy I was super high on. Uh, in 2015, when he came out and was a second-round pick for the Bengals. Uh, pulled for Jake Fisher to, to kind of turn it on. I know he's kind of battled some injuries throughout the course of his early career as well. Um, but there's some talent up front now. You know, Glenn, Bowling, Price. they got Trey Hopkins starting at right guard. And, and Jake Fisher's a talented dude. It's just, okay, can you put it all together? So um, I think that bodes extremely well for Joe Mixon. And Joe Mixon's ability to, you know, Jeremy Hill's no longer here, so we don't have that, you know, wasteless... Uh, time suck of, of carries being flushed down the toilet. Uh, so that's a, that's a nice upgrade. And, and Joe, in his second year, should push Gio Bernard uh, and, and take over the majority role uh, sooner rather than later. So I think Joe's got a nice marriage of you know, teammates going out the door in free agency, himself maturing as a player and being a second-year player on a, on a staff that traditionally doesn't play rookies a whole lot. And then the upgrades along the offensive line. I expect Joe Mixon to have a really big year for the Bengals. Kyle, you said I could have some parting thoughts, and yes. I have. I'm going to go rapid, very rapid fire here with four names. Oh, I, I feel re, it'd be remiss if we didn't mention these. Marlon Humphrey, big time upside here, year two, outstanding press guy, very physical for the Ravens. The Bengals, Billy Price, he's healthy. He's ready to step into that starting center role in Cincinnati in a spot that I know uh, Bengals fans are really excited to see Russell Bodine gone. Billy Price can play, and I think he's going to stabilize that interior. David Njoku, man, we talked about him on the My Ultimate series, but uh, really excited for what he can do uh, in year two. He's, he's going to be a big play guy, has the upside at all three levels of the field, creates after the catch, and Tyrod Taylor likes to throw the football at a tight end. So whether it's Baker or Tyrod, who I think it's going to be Tyrod, uh, and Joku will be a very big asset for him. And I'm going to give you a sleeper, and I'm going to try not to laugh, but Howard Wilson, cornerback. Uh, Howard. Cleveland Browns, man. Howard Wilson. I'm telling you, he's a guy that I really liked. I kind of stuck my neck out for him in the uh, 2017 class. He had the unfortunate injury early on. But if he can come back healthy, I think he's got ball skills. I think he's super competitive, and uh, I like his physicality. So I think doing a lot of press stuff, getting opportunities to play play on the football, I think he can win in zone as well. And uh, I think that he could carve out a role on on that Browns defense if he's healthy. And my parting thought is this. Uh, do not test William Jackson in coverage. 2016 first-round pick for the Bengals. Uh, dude has been a star since coming back from an early injury as a rookie. Uh, one of the, statistically speaking, one of the best corners in all of football last year. William Jackson, uh, 2016 first-round pick for the Cincinnati Bengals. Thank you so much for tuning into the Draft Dudes podcast, carving some time out of your day to listen to us talk shop on the AFC North and some of the young up-and-comers that we expect to see making waves 
in the coming months. Uh, we say coming months because training camps are beginning to open, uh, which means football's right around the corner. Please get much excite. Hit that subscribe button, follow along with the Draft Dudes as we take you through this final stretch before the NFL season starts and college football starts, in which we will be breaking down uh, the week-to-week matchups and, and relevant performances from both young NFL players that have recently come through the draft process and the college players getting ready to enter the draft process themselves. Uh, as Joe mentioned at the top of the show, the Draft Network is just days away. We're less than 20 days away now. 19 sleeps from the opening of the Draft Network on August 6th. You want to put that on your calendar. You want to set it as your homepage already. Uh, just, just count it down. Get really excited. We have some great stuff we are looking forward to bringing to you. Hit us up on Twitter. I am at Grinding the Tape. Kyle Krabs, and I am with Joe Marino, who is at the Joe Marino. This is the Draft Dudes Podcast, and we will be back with another up-and-comers tomorrow. Right now, join T-Mobile and get an unlimited family plan with Netflix included, so you can watch in more places than ever before on your phone, tablet, or TV. Plus, buy one Samsung Galaxy S9 and get one free with 24 monthly bill credits. So you and your family can binge your Netflix favorites on your new phones. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. Unlimited data on their network. Video streams at 480p. Small fraction of customers using over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speeds. If you cancel balances due, well-qualified customers, full price, 720 plus tax. Finance agreements required. Netflix for two screens. Terms apply. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.